and welcome to the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. I'm Kyle Kensing, and yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we are down to pressure time in the college football season. This past Saturday uh, at the FBS level, one of the most exciting days of football that we've seen in years, really. I mean, uh, every day is a pretty exciting Saturday, but this weekend especially so. We saw Baylor, of course, RG3, uh, right now my choice for the Heisman, leading Baylor to that big win over Oklahoma. Iowa State knocking off Oklahoma State. USC over Oregon. Just an unbelievable day of football. And then, of course, the weekend kicking off, capping off, excuse me, with the announcement of the championship subdivision playoff bracket. No greater pressure for these teams because now it's winner go home. And podcast today, we're talking a little bit about that. Uh, members of the FCS Roundtable here on SaturdayBlitz.com joining in, giving their two cents on the championship bracket, what to expect, which teams they're going to be watching, who's going to make that step towards Frisco, and the second year that it's being held in the Dallas area. Uh, of course, if you don't follow the FCS, I suggest that you uh, jump in at this time of year. Great football being played, uh, really exciting, pressure-packed games, just a lot of fun. Uh, in the last few years, as a matter of fact, some of the most exciting games that I've watched have been in the FCS playoffs. Uh, in 2009, Appalachian State and Montana played in, in a snow-covered game at Grizzly Stadium. Just an unbelievable atmosphere, uh, wonderful game. And then, of course, uh, that year's title game, Montana and Villanova, another just fantastic game. Uh, Chicago Cub Matt Caesar was a hero in that one. Uh, and then last year, Eastern Washington and Delaware, the first 20-team bracket, those two uh, finished it out. One-point game, just an all-around exciting tournament. And if you're a proponent of the FBS getting to the system, I suggest you back the FCS, uh, show the show television that, uh, that you're vested in football at the playoff level. And uh, absolutely exciting time of year. This is the best time of year, uh, of course, a little bit sad seeing the season wind down, but this is what it's all about. I mean, this is what uh, we look forward to in August, and it's culminating now. So we're going to jump into the FCS playoff bracket breakdown. Uh, joining us first on the podcast is going to be Kyle Roth from BisonIllustrated.com, Bison Sports Blog. Been covering one of the best teams in the subdivision all year, the North Dakota State Bison. Looking forward to getting his perspective. So without further ado, here's Kyle Roth. All right, Kyle Roth, BisonIllustrated.com and the Bison Sports Blog joining us, and we're talking about FCS playoffs. Bracket came out today, and Kyle, you've had the pleasure of uh, covering one of the top teams in the subdivision this season, North Dakota State, and uh, among the teams that the Bison face this year, uh, we're going to deviate a little bit from your squad and, and jump into them a little bit later, but uh, Illinois State, the, the big snub, uh, if, if they were coached by Seth Greenberg, uh, the, the Virginia Tech basketball coach, he would be on uh, television whining about the fact that the Redbirds aren't, uh, aren't in the playoffs, and uh, we we're talking about that off air. Illinois State getting the, getting the big proverbial uh, shaft on this one in favor of Eastern Kentucky. What are your thoughts on that? You know, uh, it's, the shaft is not all that proverbial in this case. You know, it's a team that got to seven wins in what was, I think, very evidently one of the better conferences in, in, in FCS football this year. I'm not going to, I don't know if you can really say the best, but they were making an awfully good push. I mean, even even two weeks ago, I was sitting there looking, wow, we can actually get five teams in the playoffs. That's pretty incredible. And uh, for Illinois State, it's not the way they did. It's really, really unfortunate, especially when you look at some of the stats between this year and last year. Last year, the one big problem they had was, 
They had, you know, a really, really terrific offense that they had this season. Look at uh, Ashton Leggett at running back. You look at Matt Brown at quarterback, one of the better quarterbacks that are uh, young underclassmen in the uh, in the conference last season. You know, I, I mean, at, at, at every step of that offense, they stepped their game out this season. The big turnover was on their defensive front, though. Their run defense got to be one of the better ones in the FCS. Uh, they're, they're led by a really great uh, defensive tackle uh, transfer from Wisconsin, whose name is Shelby Harris, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have his name in front of me, but um, and for the team to turn things around the way they did, get to those seven wins, and lose the heartbreaker they lost in Northern Iowa. I don't know if you got the chance to watch that game, but that was an absolute thriller at double overtime. And to go through all of that and to basically sit there and go, you know, hey, we we more or less got a spot handed to us. You know, it, it, yes, we're still in that large bid. Yes, we're still up the bubble, but. You know, those guys were thinking, hey, we got this. And to suddenly realize that an OVC team made it in is, it's it, it just, I'm not, you know, you almost want to say a slap in the face, but it's just, it, it's a punch in the stomach, man. It really is. That really is a perplexing one to me because, uh, as you mentioned, them taking Northern Iowa, perpetual FCS powerhouse, to the wire yesterday, a fantastic game. As you mentioned, the, the Panthers prevailing there in overtime, but, uh, Illinois State with some good wins on their resume, uh, really good showing throughout the year, and pretty much everybody that follows FCS football understood that the Ohio Valley was going to be a one-bid league. Uh, everybody that follows FCS football except for the actual voting committee, apparently. Apparently. And not only are the Eastern Kentucky Colonels playing in the FCS playoffs, they are hosting, and they are hosting James Madison, a program that is always uh, in that discussion in the upper echelon. Uh, appeared in the championship game recently, uh, have a title to their credit. I mean, this is a powerhouse program. Eastern Kentucky is going to be hosting, and that one to me is a little bit strange. Uh, the entire process of who hosts in the opening round determined by bids, and Eastern Kentucky winning that bid, uh, any insight into what, what on earth is going on? The Missouri Valley going from a possible four- or five-bid league to a two-bid league, and now the Ohio Valley hosting. Any insight into that? Well, I guess the only insight from the Missouri Valley's uh, perspective of it is just that uh, the, the wrong teams choke. You know, I mean, you look at Youngstown State losing to Missouri State. That's an absolute head scratcher. That's you don't even, yeah. I mean, I'm not well. It's not a total mystery. It happened to us last season, but um, you look at Indiana State losing to Southern Illinois. You know, mm-hmm. that, that that Southern Illinois team is one that we always knew was capable of winning, but just couldn't put it together consistently enough. To really win games, I mean, we, you know, we uh, the NDSU got a real scare from them earlier on this season, winning that nine to three, you know, shootout over in uh, over in Carbondale. And you know, as far as hosting, it's it's just a matter of putting a bid in, you know. And, and, and James Madison, you have to think out of you know Tennessee Tech, you, um, uh, Old Dominion, and uh, at Stony Brook, the other three teams are going to be hosting in the uh, in that, that first round there. You have to think James Madison would have gotten the top attendance out of all those. I mean, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers of those teams, but you can't imagine that they're greater than the 25,000 capacity that James Madison has. I mean, they, they, seen, I'm sure you've seen pictures of their uh, of their stadium, but it is a really nice facility, and they are really putting some work into that. But, you know, I, I guess the only thing I can really imagine what happened was, you know, the, the, the bids were sent in about a week or two ago. We have to imagine that, that Eastern Kentucky must have sent theirs in, thinking they were going to win out the rest of the season build up some momentum, and if they bid way over, they'll fill out their stadium. They've actually got a, uh, a pretty decent-sized capacity, if I'm not mistaken. It's 14,000, 15,000, 16,000 in that range. And I suppose, you know, if you sit there and go, okay, we're going to get a ton of momentum, and we're going to sell this mother out as soon as the, uh, you know, once we're in the playoffs, then, you know, we could legitimately outbid someone. So they might have they might have significantly outbid James Madison 
simply on the basis that even if they don't sell out, it's still a matter of okay, well we'll pay the uh, you know we'll pay the difference and we'll, we'll get that home game no problem. Well, now they went and lost, and you have to imagine they're not going to get all that great of a crying. Certainly not the uh, you know ten and a half thousand they're expecting, but you know it's 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 just kind of a faux pas on the level of uh, Georgia Southern last year when they uh, I, I can't recall if they didn't submit a bit at all or if they just submitted one that was terribly low and ended up being on the road for most of the time and had a pretty good run of it. But I'll tell you what, that's a real disappointment for James Madison. Like I said, they've got a really nice facility, and it's a shame they can't use it to their advantage. And that is a shame because this is really the time of the year when, when FCS gets a chance to uh, to present itself to the nation. Uh, you know, you obviously uh, following a, a, a specific program, and, and I just enjoy FCS football. And But for, for us that follow the season year in and year out, it's we're privy to it the entire season. This is the time of year when it's on TV, people are seeing it, and the Appalachian states and the Montanas of the world having home games is great. When you have a game like uh, Coastal Carolina, I remember last year hosted a first-round game, and, you know, I've seen high school games here in my area that double that attendance. It's it's a little bit of a shame, and it is too bad that a program like James Madison that, as you mentioned, has a fantastic facility, draws well, isn't getting to host. But it's it's one of those great mysteries with the NCAA that uh, I don't know any of us that are outside of the uh, war room are ever going to quite understand. But uh, mentioning those places that are a great atmosphere, draw really well. North Dakota State, one of the top seeds, uh, a team that I like to, to make a run to Frisco. I, I love their chances quite a bit. What's the buzz there in Fargo, and... What are you anticipating from the Bison as they uh, as they get ready for the second round? I'll tell you, the buzz is pretty significant. You know that uh, the Youngstown State game uh, was it was a little subdued, to be honest. I uh, I I have the privilege of being on the sidelines at uh, at all the home games, and uh, for a lot for a lot of the time it was pretty quiet. But I'll tell you what, when it got to some of those later downs, you know, um, in the, uh, the fourth quarter, when the Bison had a chance to put it away uh, and, and ended up not doing it, but uh, I mean, the wall of sound that hit me there was probably one of the loudest moments I've ever experienced in five years of being at NDSU now. And to uh, you know, to draw that out to where the buzz is, I, th- I think it's pretty significant. You know, this uh, this is a really unprecedented time for NDSU in the D1 era. I mean, obviously, NDSU with a rich tradition in Division II, uh, you know, we've been here before. But to have the kind of excitement around the program, uh, you know, in, in recent times, we haven't really experienced um you know, last season kind of stumbling into the playoffs, you know, watching the selection so uh, Sunday morning and wondering, you know, are we going to see our name in there or are we going to be left out hanging? And, um, you know, seeing it where we did, we realized, you know, hey, we've got a week to prepare. Let's, you know, sell tickets. You know, we got a game on Thanksgiving, no big deal. And uh, it ended up building up the from there. From here, we've got the advantage of, I'm really, since, God, i got to say week eight or nine that we really thought, okay, we're in for sure. Let's start pumping this guy up. So, you know, the, the, the bus is definitely there, and I think it'll kind of manifest itself more after the bye week, just because right now, a lot of Bison fans are, you know what, let's take the week off, you know, enjoy some football over Thanksgiving, let's, you know, heal up our players, heal up our, you know, heal up our fan base from uh, doing all that yelling a couple weeks ago, and, you know, really, really just kind of, um, get, you know, get ready for that whole week. So I think in a week or so, we're really going to see some percent built for that. And, uh, you know, as far as what we can do, I think it's uh, I, I think it's kind of up in the air. I like the, uh, <laughs> I like the prediction of a Frisco run. Um, I think it's a little bit more up in the air than it might have been at this point last season when we thought to ourselves, okay, we're, you know, we just blew out Robert Morris 40, uh, 40 17. We just beat, um, you know, Montana State at their place 42 17. You know, let's do this. We got a running game. We got a defense. We got an offensive line. It's all good. But, uh, you know, the Bison have been a little bit, uh, a little bit shoddy on the ground this year. Uh, not, not producing as much as we did last year. DJ McNorton's production is 
considerably has certainly been down. So it's a little more up in the air, but at the same time, we've got a passing attack now that is one of the most efficient in the nation. You've got to think that gets a pretty good chance. I think that's really an interesting uh, caveat to what they've been able to bring to the table this season is the fact that Brock Jansen has emerged as such a such a uh, reliant quarterback, uh, reliable, excuse me. And uh, I think that really sort of brings an added dimension to what, what uh, they're capable of doing because so many of the top teams that you see right now are running-based, uh, Northern Iowa, Georgia Southern. Uh, Georgia Southern actually being able to put up more offense against Alabama than even uh, number one LSU was able to. And uh, Appalachian State, teams like that are so running-based. How do you think having that uh, that passing attack differentiates them from the rest of the field? Well, you know, it's, um, it's something that's going to make a huge difference, I don't think, um, in terms of, you know, it, it's going to be the game-breaker by any means. But I think, on the, uh, you know, by the different, by the different um, gosh, what the heck am I trying to say here? At the same time, we saw last year what a really powerful rushing attack can do, and it worked really well. But at the same time, we found ourselves in positions where the running attack was working. We kind of ran out of gas, and that happened at times against Eastern Washington, but really it didn't happen all that much last season. But especially this, you know, I mean, even last season, we found ourselves in the fourth We found out that a powerful rushing attack isn't going to win every game for you. And having that, you know, and all last season, we said to ourselves, you know, if any of us, you can just get a solid quarterback behind the center. There doesn't need to be a guy who's going to throw 300 yards. It doesn't need to be a guy who's going to, you know, sit there and make Drew Brees-style throws where he's, you know, thread the needle every time. But just a guy who can manage the game and just a guy who can complete passes at that 60% mark you like to see in the West Coast offense. We're going to be a pretty darn dangerous team. Even though the rushing game has kind of regressed a little bit this season, you're still seeing that NDSU had a lot of success this season with a pretty efficient pass game. Now, the... Um, the, the kind of drawback of this whole situation here is that Brock Jensen has been kind of injured lately. Um, and down with the case of Turfco a couple of weeks ago, it's been bothering him a, a pretty fair amount. I mean, after uh, after Northern Iowa, his stats kind of take a dip from that 74% mark all of a sudden down to 17 of 30 versus Indiana State. You see 11 of 22 versus Youngstown State, and then 12 of 19 at Western Illinois this weekend. And it's been bothering him. He's had to, he's had to throw off that back foot a couple of times. He's been throwing high, low, left, right, all over the place. And that, that, that surgical accuracy we got used to that just isn't there in the same uh, in the same form it had been. So it's it's tough to wager what our basket is going to do in the playoffs, especially because we're facing defense we're not really used to facing. But you've got to think that between the running attack facing some softer defenses, facing um, you know offensive lines that aren't that kind of stout quality you see in the Missouri Valley football conference teams, you got to think we'll have some success uh, you know, in a balanced attack on both sides of football. And now, in addition to North Dakota State, one of, uh, one of the top ten teams throughout most of the season, uh, rising to number one at one point, who are some of the other teams that you anticipate seeing being uh, really the ones that you kind of have, uh, have to beat, the roadblocks between Fargo and Frisco? Um, without a doubt, that winner, uh, I mean, really, that's uh, a lot of people have said they like NDSU's bracket. I, I like the opportunity to kind of face down some teams that have been perennial defenders in the FCS. But I'll tell you what, that, that bottom half of that bracket is brutal. You've got the, you got the Patriot League winner that's been uh, putting up offensive numbers a la the 2007 New England Patriots facing off against the uh, CAA regular season champion. Uh, that, of course, being Lehigh versus uh, visiting Towson. Uh, we're going to play the winner of that game, assuming we can uh, take care of business versus uh, James Madison and Kentucky. On the other side of the bracket, you've got uh, Old Dominion team, which has done a lot of magic this year. Then you've got that potential quarterfinal matchup against 
Georgia Southern and Appalachian State, having a face on the winner of that is not going to be on a coast. Really know how to take care of business. So I, I, I think really all four of those teams right there are the big roadblocks because we're going to have to face one of them, if not more, at some point. So definitely a, um, you know, I, I don't really think after, I mean, <laughs> looking at our back, there really isn't a, a kidney route where we can say, okay, let's, you know, we'll, we'll, let's think of what we're going to play after this game because it's really going to be a take it one week at a time kind of thing. Absolutely. I feel like that this is, even though it's one of the more surprising brackets in, in the time that I've been following the 1AA FCS uh, playoffs, it's it's definitely one of the more surprising brackets, but it's one of the one of the strongest, I feel like, from top to bottom. I mean, you mentioned Lehigh, Patriot League champion. That's a team that's been able to score at will. Uh, their only loss is to a New Hampshire team that's in the playoffs and a team that's perpetually in the playoffs. And facing the winner of the CAA, which a lot of people consider the, the top conference in, in the subdivision, Towson, the team uh, emerging from that league, what, a, what an absolute shock that conference was all year. Ta- uh, Towson and Maine, those two getting into the playoffs, uh, predicted to finish at the bottom of the league. It's just such a, such a combustible dynamic. It's really exciting. Uh, what's the, what's the, the oh, excuse me, <laughs> sputtering a little bit there. What's the biggest surprise to you in this bracket, and what's the team you feel like can be the the kind of uh, Cinderella story uh, in this year's playoffs? Well, um, you know, you know that big surprise has really got to be Eastern Kentucky, that second uh, Ohio Valley Conference team that got the seven wins, but I mean, really didn't have a you know a significant win out of conference. I mean, I guess if you want to look at them between between them and Illinois State, the uh, the like opponent comes from Eastern Illinois. Um, who ended up beating Illinois State, actually, which ended up being, I think, the uh, the damning loss that Illinois State had lived down. Each Kentucky beat them by 30. So, I, you know, despite the fact that I'm still pretty shocked that Illinois State didn't get in, I think Eastern Kentucky is kind of the surprise team that might not have been expecting to get in. Aside from that, it was all pretty, uh, I mean, I mean, pretty chalk looking up and down. Uh, um, as far as Cinderella, it, it, it's kind of a tough, um, kind of a tough call. I, I really like Townsend, to be honest. Um, Reminds me a lot of NDSU last season, honestly. Um, you know, obviously a really great freshman running back there. They have a they have a defense that can get it done. Um, obviously, battle tested going through the CAA is never easy. So that you know that that team knows how to win football games. And playing another team that I think can do some damage as well in Lehigh. I mean, uh, Chris Love looks like the real deal. Even playing in a, uh, uh, a pretty soft Patriot League, and they had some good out of conference wins. You know, they played really tough against North, uh, New Hampshire and other. Uh, Another another field team, so I think um, one of those two teams. You know, I, I, I hate to say they could be a Cinderella, considering the winner. That's you know, hopefully, hopefully going to go through uh, my NDSU Bison, but uh, either one of those teams, I think, can do a lot of damage if they can put the right things together. Now, mentioning uh, Towson's running back uh, Terrence West, uh, this is the inaugural year of the Jerry Rice Award given to the best freshman in the nation, and right now I feel like he's a little bit of the uh, consensus favorite in that regard, but. Along with the playoffs, we also have the uh, awards show coming up, and uh, interested to get some of your insight on who you think are going to take away the, the three big awards. Of course, the, the Jerry Rice, the Walter Payton, and the Buck Buchanan. Uh, the Payton going to the offensive MVP, sort of the FCS Heisman, and then the Buchanan going to the top defensive player. And to uh, tangent on that a little bit, I have to say I like the fact that the FCS does that. It makes as big a deal about their defensive MVP as their offensive. Uh, I feel like at the FBS level with the Heisman Award, it's supposed to go to the MVP. It's always just basically the best player on the best team uh, offensively. So I like the fact that the FCS does that. But uh, who are your predictions for those uh, for those award winners this year? Well, um, I guess um, in the order 
Jerry, you mentioned him. I guess the uh, the Jerry Rice one is one that I think is really interesting. He's like the best freshman. Is always, you know, in college football, it's always so weird to think about freshmen making a big impact, especially um, you look at the impact a guy like Xavier Clowney has had at uh, uh, South Carolina. And, uh, I mean, the impact a really good freshman can have at the FCS level, more so than the FBS, is, is really just night and day. I mean, look at one guy adding to a good defense, they can really turn it around. And when they're a freshman, you never know really what to expect from them. Now, I uh, I, I really like Terrence West from, um, uh, from oh my gosh, I can't think now, from Towson. Um, obviously, with the success that he, he has had, and, and, and a really incredible turnaround they had. I mean, they've been in the basement of the TAA forever. And to suddenly roar to the top of the TAA like they did in one loss in their conference is just, that, that is really impressive. And, um, you know, for a freshman to take on a leadership role, he did, it was just, I, I mean, wow. So I guess I kind of have to agree with you there that he's got to be the favorite. Um, for the offensive one, I think it's, I, I really think it's got to be Chris Lum. Um, Again, played in kind of a soft conference, but the numbers he put up were absolutely stunning. I mean, we're talking about averaging over 350 yards passing per game. That's like four or five touchdowns to the air game. I mean, just the, the ability to make a difference on an offense, just unreal. And, and you look at the, I mean, you know, and he sat for a lot of fourth quarters. So a lot of his production was coming in a significantly less, uh, a significantly fewer number of snaps than a lot of these other guys were in the field. So I think uh, he did my favorite offensively, and then I think defensively, you know, I'm a, little, I'm a little bit jaded on this one. Um, a lot of Bison fans are miffed that uh, our guy Marcus Williams has been in the list all this season. Uh, in fact, after yesterday, I think currently leads the nation in interceptions. It was seven, if I'm not mistaken. I actually got to check this out here. But, um, you know, I mean, I mean, had, had, had two huge plays versus Minnesota, um, both being touchdowns uh, towards the end of each half that ended up helping to steal that game. Uh, had a pair of interceptions versus Southern Illinois that were huge. Had a big interception in the end zone versus um, uh, Illinois State, and has really been, uh, if, if you'll pardon the comparison, he's really been the Terrell Revis of the FCS in that people just do not throw to his side anymore because they know he will make them pay. And I, I don't think he's gotten more than three passes thrown his way in conversations in any game. So it's I, it's just a little bit disappointing he's not in there. But I think um, as far as guys have mentioned, gosh, yeah, that is that's a really, really tough question. Um uh, a guy I really like, actually, and I got you know, I'm going to confess, I really don't, <laughs> I haven't looked at the other guys a whole lot, really well enough to uh, get a look at them, but if I had to pick someone who I think uh, has been garnering a lot of attention this year, might otherwise be on there, I'm going to need to bail myself out a little more here while I look. <laughs> well, you and I, I mean, like, you want to talk about having some salt in the wounds? You and I, as both Ben Boothy and L.J. Fort on the finalist list, that that seems that seems a little uh, wacky to me when when NDSU won that one head to head. But you know, I'm not. Well, I don't think you really count a head to head matchup in, in the case of who's the best player. I mean, one you know, one uh, one down game mm-hmm. is deal deal. Like like it doesn't tie the vote. So I think um, you know, I don't know if you're really going to count that, but I gosh, Dave, this is tough. I'm really kind of a fan of Willie Jefferson. I, I, I don't believe he's on this, but for a Stephen F. Austin, you know, they started out like they did. I believe they started out 0-4 or 0-5 on the season and ended up winning five or six straight at the end of the season. Uh, but with a winning record, you know, the guy, the guy finished with a pretty good number of sacks. I think uh, that, that, that Stephen F. Austin defense ended up not being too terrible once they got to Southwest plays. So I think he's a guy that can lead to some attention. All right, I like it. I like it. Uh, that's going to be an interesting... Oh. 
<laughs> uh, that's quite all right. Uh, I, I think that uh, you're not alone in that in that regard. It's it's going to be an interesting vote to me this year. I feel like the only Terrence West is probably the only one that feels like a runaway. Although Chris Lum, uh, I like the fact that you bring him up. He uh, he was somebody who midway through the season I wrote uh, actually compared quite favorably statistically to Steve McNair in the year that he was a Heisman finalist. Uh, of course, you know Chris Lum isn't going to be a Heisman finalist. Uh, only a crazy person would suggest that, as I uh, actually wrote on my blog. But um, the, the fact that he was able to put up the numbers that he did. But I feel like defensively, it's it, it is a little bit more of a crapshoot. Uh, nobody really kind of uh, stood out in the same way that you saw somebody like Arthur Motes a couple of years ago. But uh, that's going to be uh, exciting to follow as uh, as the postseason wraps up. But uh, all right, I'm going to put you on the spot here to close out. Who is going to play in Frisco, and which of those two teams do you see coming away with the hardware? Boy, I'll tell you, um, it's really hard not to look at a team in the playoffs. And obviously this is true in the NFL, this is true in, in basketball, this is true in whatever sport you want to name. But, but defense is what wins championships. It's always been the motive. It's, it's always been the, uh, the motive operation, and it's always really held true. And I think uh, teams that play really good defense always set themselves up to win. So that said... I really like you and I to try and do some damage in the playoffs. Now they have a, I mean, they've got a really tough couple of games coming up here, where they've got to play Wofford in their opening game in the second round. There, they host them, but um, you know, if they can get past, past Wofford, who is by no means that's by no means uh, a given game, they got to go to, you know, they got to go to Montana. They have to uh, try and face off against. Uh, to, to be honest, I don't, I don't see Sam Houston making it to the uh, to the semifinals for potential matchup there, but. You know, facing off against uh, Montana State or North, uh, New Hampshire, who might have measured that part of the bracket, is always tough to do. But I, I like the way Northern Iowa can run the football. I like the way they play defense. And, and by that same token, you have to like both NDSU and Georgia Southern on the opposite end of the bracket. Two teams that can run the ball really well. Um, you know, Georgia Southern can certainly do it to a better degree than NDSU can right now. But if the Bison can turn something on, I like their I like their run game. I like their defense a lot. I like their passing game. And I think... Um, those three teams right there have to be my favorites, and I hope I'm not going too much in the uh, MVFC homer route there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good. I, I like to get that homer perspective. Plus, you know, I, I tend to agree. I feel like uh, the bracket probably breaks down uh, pretty solidly for both those both sides. So, uh, Kyle, I want to thank you once again. Uh, Going to be a pretty exciting playoffs. Uh, for this opening weekend, which is the top game that you plan on following that you would suggest to the listeners? I know 
that's what's exciting about it. You say 20 teams that can win it all, and, uh, you know, this is what people are clamoring for, clamoring for at the uh, FBS level. So we're going to get to see it played out on the field. Uh, it's an exciting time of year, and, uh, Kyle, I know you're going to be uh, excited about watching your bison. So uh, thanks again for taking this time to chat with the podcast, and uh, best of luck to NDSU the rest of the way. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and thank you for listening. This is the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. Kyle Kensing and Kyle Roth signing off.